This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go. Scoop podcast episode 423. Let's make it a September to remember. I get to this podcast as time allows, but life has been incredibly busy. My sweet spot is Tuesdays and Thursday mornings. I join Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. YouTube, plus wherever you get your podcasts like this one. So Tuesdays and Thursdays, I spew information, spew knowledge. I get to this podcast as time allows. I do want to thank my sponsor, mnfatloss.com. I began my journey on July 2nd, down 20 pounds. If I can lose weight, You can too. If you went sideways over Labor Day weekend or at the State Fair, if you want to get back on track, if you need some guidance, but they're not overbearing, but if you need some guidance, what to eat, when to eat, how to eat, they are fantastic. MNFatLoss.com to schedule your free private consultation. All right, let's get to some notes, then to some conversations. On the Vikings, the latest on Justin Jefferson, it remains when, not if. He will become the highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history. The second he puts pen to paper, that will occur. Now, the question is, when does Nick Bosa sign? When does Chris Jones sign? Heck in a year, when does Jamar Chase sign? You know, somebody ultimately will trump what Jefferson signs for. But the idea is when Jefferson puts pen to paper, which could come this week, or maybe it extends beyond this week, but his representation, Ben Renzen, and Robertsinski of the Vikings continued dialogue. The Vikings realized they need to make him not only the highest paid receiver in NFL history, but the highest paid non-quarterback in history. I'm telling you, it's when, not if. It'll get done. Could it get done by kickoff on Sunday, like on Saturday? It absolutely could. But could it extend beyond? Yeah, it could. I just know dialogue, his representation, Ben, Rob with the Vikings, they continue Shatter. The Vikings very, very, very much recognize how great it is that Jefferson hasn't been a diva. He has shown up to practice every single day. This negotiation has not been any sort of distraction. The Vikings are ready to make him, he already is, but they're ready to make him financially the face of the franchise. There is zero Dalton Reisner steam for a signing after week one. We've seen in the past NFL teams adding vets after week one. A lot would have to change. Now, hey, could an injury happen on Sunday? Sure. A lot could change depending on the outcome of Sunday. But as we sit here on Wednesday, the 6th of September at noon central, there just there isn't any Dalton Reisner steam. So I just I don't see him ending up in a Vikings uniform. Kene Wangu, the Vikings running back, lower back injury. I get a tricky injury, but he is trending toward being ready to go after he's able to come off injured reserve which would be the week five game, October 8th at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. Trey Palmer, rookie wide receiver, will be at U.S. Bank Stadium 
on Sunday. He was a guy the Vikings head in for a pre-draft visit. They like him a lot. They liked him certainly pre-draft a lot. If they didn't go Jordan Addison in round one, he definitely was a guy that was on their radar later in the draft. The word from Tampa is he has been really good through training camp and the preseason. New Vikings offensive lineman David Quessenberry. What a whirlwind of a week. So let go by Buffalo middle of last week. Some teams call, including the Vikings, obviously, the Bears, some others. He had some options. Ultimately decides to sign with the Vikings. Knowing his wife was going to give birth, she gives birth in Buffalo on Sunday. He gets back here for practice on Monday. He told me on Monday in the locker room, hey, I just haven't slept very much. I need Tuesday to catch up on rest. You know, plus then be ready for Wednesday, learning the Vikings playbook, his position flexibility, able to play multiple offensive line positions. So he's a depth guy. He's not, you know, going to see the field on Sunday, barring some sort of injury. But, hey, he needs to be ready to go. But he just told me on Monday in the locker room, it has been crazy. Thankfully, healthy baby boy, the second child for David and his wife. Vikings rookie cornerback Makai Blackman. We'll have around 12 family and friends from California at Sunday's game. He told his family and friends, hey, don't come during the preseason. Let's wait for the regular season. So they will have a chance to watch their guy, Makai, in action on Sunday. He is expected to be on the field for enough snaps. But we'll see the Vikings in three safety sets. We are going to see some exotic stuff. But when the Vikings have three cornerbacks on the field on Sunday, Makai Blackman will be that third cornerback. Matt Ryan will be one of the TV broadcasters of the game on Sunday, the former Falcons quarterback, one of the great quarterbacks of the last two decades, former MVP, now retired, the former Colts quarterback. I'm curious to see how he does as an analyst, but I have a feeling he is going to be good. So if you're not going to Sunday's game, if you're watching on TV, enjoy what Matt Ryan can hopefully provide. The Vikings tried to sign linebacker Troy Reader back onto the practice squad, but he chose the Rams' offer instead. That's when the Vikings pivoted to vet linebacker. He's been here before, Nick Vigil. So Nick is now on the Vikings' practice squad. The Jets, 49ers, Raiders, and Dolphins tried to sign former Bengals starting offensive lineman Hakeem Adeniji, but the Vikings beat out those teams. Hakeem is now on the Vikings' practice squad. Jamal Stevenson is one of the Vikings draft bosses. This week, he was at Duke Clemson. And later this week, he will be at Texas, Alabama. Minneapolis native from Northern Iowa, Ellerson Smith. He was let go a few weeks ago by the New York Giants, battling back from a foot injury. Well, he is now good to go. He'll start trying out for some NFL teams next week. I'd like to think he can end up on somebody's practice squad in the near future. Ten NFL teams had scouting representation last Thursday at Huntington Bank Stadium for the Gophers-Nebraska game, including the Vikings, Packers, Bears, and Ravens. The Ravens were represented by general manager Eric DaCosta. A Gophers injury note, linebacker Cody Lindenberg of Anoka. Heck, outside of Tyler Newbin, I can argue Cody is their best defensive player. He did not play against Nebraska. I'm told it's a hamstring injury. The Gophers have called a P.J. Fleck did a leg injury. More specifically, I'm told it's a hamstring injury. I think it's going to be difficult for him to play against Eastern Michigan at Huntington Bank Stadium on Saturday night. Could he be back September 16th, the game at North Carolina? 
That remains to be seen. The injury happened in practice a couple weeks ago. On the Twins, Alex Kirilov will be back in the Saints lineup today. If all goes well, I can see him in the Twins lineup at Target Field against the New York Mets on Friday. He is doing well coming back from that shoulder injury. Byron Buxton, tendonitis with the knee. The Twins believe this is a short-term setback, but he is not with the Saints right now. He has been pulled from the rehab assignment. The Twins are not overly shocked about the tendonitis. Buck is one of those situations where it just it remains to be seen. If we sit here and try to predict, I'd love to. I'd love to see Byron Buxton in the Twins lineup October 3rd, Tuesday, October 3rd, game one of the playoffs, the Twins hosting. I think it'll be Toronto or Texas, but I suppose it could be Houston or Seattle, one of those teams, but I think it'll be Toronto or Texas. How great would it be if we could pencil in Byron Buxton in center field in the lineup on Tuesday, October 3rd? Eddie Julian then can DH Alex Kirloff at first base. I think Ryan Jeffers at catcher, but if you want to argue Christian Vasquez, that's fine. But how nice would it be to have Buxton in center field on October 3rd? But we just don't know. Trying to predict how Buck will be one month from now, I just I think it's a lost cause. We need to go literally, to use the cliche, day by day with Buck. Right now, not with the Saints, but the Twins believe this is a short-term setback that he can be back on that rehab assignment in the near future. Chris Paddock, remember him? Heck, he'll be in the Twins starting rotation next year, signed for the next few years. Well, he begins a rehab assignment coming back from that second Tommy John surgery. He begins a rehab assignment with Fort Myers tonight. He is targeting two weeks from now, actually two weeks from Friday, to be back with the Twins. Now, will the Twins have room? Lots of questions need to be answered. But in his mind, he is going to help the Twins, likely out of the bullpen, not as a starter, but out of the bullpen by September 22nd. Brock Stewart, how nice would it be to have him in the Twins' bullpen on October 3rd? He has thrown a 25-pitch bullpen. All went well. But much like Buck, with Brock Stewart, his injury history, these most recent multiple setbacks going back the last month plus, I just don't know if we know if Brock Stewart can help the Twins in October. But so far, so good. That's another situation, though. We will need to go day by day. Michael A. Taylor, short-term injury with the hamstring, although he's been dealing with a few things going back months, but he should be back after the 10-day IL stint expires. Good time for him to catch his breath. The Twins last week claimed Lucas Giolito, Harris Bader, excuse me, Harrison Bader, Matt Moore, and Reynaldo Lopez. Now, hey, the Twins didn't think they were getting any of those guys. They did not put a claim in on Hunter Renfro. Randall Gritschak, heck, nobody put in a claim on him. He cleared waivers. Renfro ended up with the Reds, Bader with the Reds, Giolito Moore, Lopez with the Guardians. The Twins tried, but they really felt like, hey, if it wasn't the Guardians, it would be the Reds, the Diamondbacks, or the Marlins that would block them. Like, my understanding is the Reds put in multiple claims. Yeah, they got Bader. Yeah, they got Renfro. But they didn't get some guys they put claims in on. Heck, the Marlins put in some claims. So the Twins were never confident any of the guys would get to them. But they did make an attempt. All right, let's now get to interviews. Nothing really cooking on Jalen Noel. I tell you, if there was, not a whole lot going on with the Wolves. 
Anthony Edwards, Team USA against Germany in the World Cup semifinals on Friday. That should be fun. Are we on a collision course or does Serbia knock off Canada? But are we on a collision course, USA against Canada on Sunday for the FIBA World Cup gold medal? Could we be heading that direction? Lithuania eliminated the team that beat the U.S. the other day. Anthony Edwards was so good that game. But that game that Lithuania beat the U.S., well, Lithuania knocked out in the quarterfinals. But really, nothing cooking too much on the Wolves front. Tim Connolly told me in August he was heading over to the Philippines to watch his guys. You think about it, if it's USA-Canada, Ant against Naw, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. How much fun would that be? But nothing overly pressing that I need to spew right now on the Wolves or on Gophers basketball. St. Thomas men's basketball released its schedule. Cool non-conference schedule, two cool games at Cal Berkeley to open the season. Mark Matson, the former Timberwolves player, now the head coach at Cal in the Pac-12. So St. Thomas will open the season at Cal. Then later, they will play in Milwaukee against Marquette. So Marquette and Cal on the St. Thomas men's basketball non-conference schedule. All right, let's get to interviews. Let's begin with Mark Coyle, Gophers athletic director. His name did come up. For the USC job, we alluded to that back in May, his connection to Sandy Barber. She was on the USC search committee, so not a shock that they reached out to Mark, but there was never any follow-up communication. Mark has a child that's in high school at Creighton, Darham Hall. I don't think Mark, his wife, wanted to uproot the family, move to L.A. as their child is completing high school. Just not the ideal time to move. Plus, Mark really likes it here. He likes being close to Iowa. You know, I mean, this is home in many ways. So it would have to take an unreal offer for Mark Coyle to leave the Gophers. But hey, USC grabbed the AD from Washington. It seems like USC made a tremendous hire. It just, it never even got to use the football analogy, like to the two yard line. Like if you were starting at the one yard line, talks with USC never progressed whatsoever, but not a surprise that his name did come up with the USC search committee. Anyway, I did not attack that talking point with Mark last week, but we got into a few other things before the Gophers-Nebraska game, but all the talking points are still applicable. Here is my recent conversation with Gophers Athletic Director Mark Coyle. Mark, year 140 of Gophers football, year eight of you being in charge. You've been here longer than that. We know that your, your previous history, but year eight of being in charge, what's your excitement level? Uh, very excited. You know, obviously, when you have a chance to uh, open up against a great opponent like Nebraska, sold-out stadium, state fair going on, everything going on in the Twin Cities, that Thursday night game always has a lot of excitement, a lot of energy. We welcome that new freshman class to campus, so the student section is rocking. So I'm uh, really excited, but really humbled as I start year eight to be here. It's such a special place for all of us. And again, excited to watch Coach Fleck, our program, battle a really tough Nebraska team. It won't just be the student section. I mean, the entire stadium. I mean, you guys have had the Thursday night opener before, but you think about name opponent, conference opponent. There will be some Nebraska fans as well in the building, but that's fine. But I'm just thinking, like, Thursday night is going to be unbelievably electric. There's going to be a lot of energy, you know, and, and again, we talk about being relevant, and, and there's no doubt a national TV game, Big Ten. Commissioner Petit is going to be here from the Big Ten Conference. So, again, a lot of excitement. We're just so grateful for the people who bought tickets and come out and support our program. As you know, PJ is doing unbelievable things on the field, off the field. Most wins, I think, since 1903, 1905. Uh, the number of bowl games we've won in a row here under him. And obviously, our goal is to get to a bowl game each year and compete for that Big Ten West Championship in the last year of divisions in the Big Ten Conference. 
I also think about the impact off the field, right? The community work, the academics. But what is that balancing act? You're right about all the wins, but that next step is winning a Big Ten West, getting to a Big Ten championship game. What's that balancing act in your world of he's producing all these great men, all the great work off the field, and the wins are happening on the field, but you want to take that next step too? Oh, there's no question. I think PJ would be the first one to tell you he wants to take the next step. And, and obviously, again, as the last year divisions, the West Division, the Big Ten Conference, you know, we've got an opportunity like everybody else does in the West to win the West and get to Indianapolis. That's our goal every year. And as we take that transition to the new Big Ten, if you will, next year when we have 18 teams, we'll have to take that next step. But there's no doubt our goal every year is to win at the highest level, and that's winning your Big Ten West Division, getting to Indianapolis, and then you win that game. Who knows what happens there? So, again, expectations are high. Just so grateful for P.J. Heather and what they've done for our program. And it's hard to believe he's starting year seven with us, which is great. How has that relationship with P.J. evolved over these seven years? Uh, you know, he and I continue to be incredibly close. Uh, you've heard me joke with you before. I think people would be disappointed if they knew what our conversations were. They have nothing to do with football. It's more about life. And his kids down in St. Louis and, and Gavin is here now uh, in high school here with, uh, with Heather and him. And, and, again, we just have a lot of uh, close conversations, close friendship, which I really appreciate. And I feel very fortunate every day to have the opportunity to work with him and all of our great coaches here in Minnesota. Intriguing roster. Heck, how about the wide receivers? I think about your history as a wide receiver. You have to love all that wide receiver depth. Well, you know, uh, PJ, a former wide receiver, has always talked about wide receivers, and, and we run the ball so much. But obviously, with Mo now graduated and, and eighth in, you know, our new quarterback, we have a strong wide receiver core. You know, we have two new offensive coordinators who will be calling plays for the first time on Thursday night. And again, I, it's just really exciting to see the depth that PJ, PJ has created here as he starts here seven. You know, and when he got here, as he built this program each year, you know, injuries are a part of the game. People go down, and it's that next person has to step in, and we've got that depth, that wide receiver. So I think it's going to be an exciting year, and I think our fans are going to be really excited to see our, our offense and what we do this year uh, for the season. Fun schedule. I suppose maybe others might say, ooh, challenging schedule. But to me, from my standpoint, really fun schedule. Uh, you and PJ have a lot in common because he talks about that, and that's what I absolutely love about working with PJ. He is so optimistic all the time, and and I think uh, you know media experts say we have the second hardest schedule in the country. I think Ole Miss has the hardest schedule, uh, but we see that as an opportunity. You know, we, we get to play great teams. Obviously, we open up with a huge game on Thursday night with Nebraska. Uh, you have Eastern Michigan, you have North Carolina, you have Louisiana. Then you get back into the Big Ten. So we're going to have our hands full this year, but there's no doubt PJ will have our kids ready to play. So you touched on the changes coming next year. We saw your statement, but I haven't officially heard from you on Washington, Oregon being added. I suppose that's just life of college athletics right now. Yeah, you know, I, I tell people that the landscape is shifting daily, and, 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 you know, there's no doubt anytime you can grab two schools like Oregon and Washington and have them come into your conference, I think it's a huge, huge win for all of our programs. All of our student athletes, you know, obviously um, media, as you know, Doogie plays such a big part in our world and the exposure that we can get to all of our programs. And, you know, people talk about football all the time, and, and we recognize the importance of football and the visibility. But think about the exposure our Olympic sports are going to have now, the opportunity to travel to Seattle, to travel out to Portland, Eugene, to play down there, down in L.A. and those experiences. And, again, could you imagine being a young lady in our basketball team playing in Pauley Pavilion? I mean, what a great experience, right? Some of those type of things. So, again, I'm excited about Oregon and Washington joining the program, two great academic fits for the Big Ten Conference two national brands that's only going to elevate not only Minnesota but all the Big Ten programs. What do you think will surprise us about the football program this year? We had some access. We had three open practices. One of the three, though, Ethan didn't even throw, just was the timing, right? So we haven't seen a whole lot. It was two weeks ago, our last access. You have access all the time. What do you think will surprise us, media fans, about the team this year? Uh, I think how athletic we are. I, I think sometimes, you know, when you come to practice, you watch us. You know, you watch them do drills. You watch them do things. But, but again, what Coach Nickel does in the offseason with our student athletes and the training and the strength and conditioning that they go through, um, I think people will be surprised at how athletic we are and the type of plays our kids make. 
you sense the buzz? I mean, maybe it's comparable to some other years. Maybe this isn't any higher than other years, but you sense a strong buzz right now? Uh, I think there's a lot of excitement. You know, obviously uh, our football, again, generates a lot of attention, but if you look at our volleyball program, had a great weekend this last weekend. We played Texas tonight, uh, who is the defending national champion. Our soccer team is off to a great start. Cross country gets going. But, yeah, there's a lot of excitement at the start of the year, and obviously football Thursday night is going to be the epicenter of that excitement. And, again, we're just really grateful for our fans coming out to support the program and have high, high expectations. Briefly on volleyball, Keegan Cook, so far so good. And it just it seems like the girls are really embracing his leadership. Yeah, you know, Keegan, he's a very cerebral person, so he's the exact opposite of me, if that makes sense. You know, he just, he's a thinker, and he's very he's very wise in, in how he coaches. And, and I give our student-athletes a lot of credit. They, they've had zero anxiety with the transition. They've worked incredibly close with him. You know, we had the Big 12, Big 10 Challenge this past weekend, had a great win over TCU, great win over Baylor. And now we got Texas tonight. We go to Florida this weekend. So he's going out. He's playing people. And again, uh, really fortunate to have Keegan here. And the success he had at Washington was unbelievable. So we, we expect that success to, hear, to happen here in Minnesota, too. And so far, so good with Dawn. I mean, are they still in Croatia slash Greece? Are they flying back now? I mean, adversity inevitably will hit, right? The season hasn't started yet. She hasn't lost a game, but it seems like so far, so good. Yeah, she's undefeated, which makes her really popular. But they, they actually got back from their foreign trip on Sunday. And, you know, I tell people, Doogie, her and PJ could have been separated at birth. Uh, they're very identical. They're, they're very intentional. They're very focused on how they do things. And, and I think our fans are going to be really excited to watch her coach and watch that team grow and develop. But I have high expectations for our women's basketball program, and she's going to be a big, big part of that success. What else is important for people to know is not just football starts, but, you know, this is kind of the start, right, the stretch here of, of fall athletics. Well, well I, I just think, and, and I've talked about this before, Doogie, I just hope people know how much our student-athletes uh, appreciate and respect what they represent at the University of Minnesota in this state. You know, uh, Minnesota's a proud state. We talk about doing things the right way in Minnesota. And I can tell you our student athletes are doing things the right way. We're one of the highest schools in the country academically with a 3.4 grade point average. Athletically, we're in the top 10%, 11% every year in the Director's Cup. And I just hope our fans know when they buy a ticket, when they support our program, those kids take so much pride representing not only the institution, but them, our state and our community. And we're just really grateful for their support as we start a new year. What keeps you up at night? Uh, a lot of things keep me up. Uh, NIL, gambling, and the transfer portal. I think all things that we need to figure out how to manage and get our arms around. And, and we saw our friends down at Iowa and Iowa State dealing with a lot of gambling stuff right now. NIL, you and I have talked about that. That's something that's not going to go away. And how do we embrace that NIL? The transfer portal, I think it's so important that we provide a great experience for our student athletes. So I just want to make sure that we provide the resources necessary for our coaches, our student athletes, that they can have a first class experience when they come to our campus. So those are the things that keep me up right now. NIL, I mean, so much further along today compared to even this time last year, right? Yeah, we are so grateful for Dingytown Athletes. You know, they've done a great job. That's our official collective. I encourage fans to go to dingytownathletes.com to look at ways you can support our program. Uh, NIL is such a critical piece to our program as we move forward. Our fans are starting to buy into NIL. They're starting to support our student athletes. And that has a huge, huge impact on us for recruiting and developing these great programs that can help us compete at the national level. Certainly a busy time for Mark. Heck, Monday, first practice for the Gophers men's hockey program. So you've got winter sports starting to ramp up, fall sports going strong. Hey, maybe there's a little break middle of the summer. But right now on campus for Mark Coyle, all those who work for Mark, very busy time. But fun times at the University of Minnesota, at least on the athletic side. All right, Zeke Naji, Denver Nuggets. NBA champion, caught up with him in early August at his annual, well, it's not really his, it's a collection, but he helps run the Hopkins Alumni Basketball Camp. 
So my older son, full disclosure, was a part of that. We live in this area, so he was at Hopkins High School participating. So dropped him off, caught up with Zeke Naji. Actually ran into Tim Connolly that first day. His son was also taking part. Whatever you think of Tim, the executive, and I get it, the elephant in the room, the Rudy Gobert trade. Like right now, you'd rather have, I think, Walker Kessler. One for one, like you would trade Rudy Gobert for Walker Kessler. We said it at the time. It was a no-brainer, yes, for Utah. But I understood at the time the rolling of the dice. But I get it, right? Although I think Rudy is going to have a good year. I think the Wolves are going to have a good year. But you think about all the other moves he's made, he's done a really good job. Like, I think he's a really, really good executive. Heck, he helped construct. Now, hey, Calvin Booth took it over the top, but he helped construct the Nuggets roster that won the championship. Now, I'm not convinced he makes the move for, say, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Like, I think Calvin Booth came in in the end, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, drafting him out of Kansas. Like, I don't know if Tim Connolly makes those moves. So, I don't think Denver wins a championship without the Calvin Booth moves. But, like, you think about acquiring Aaron Gordon, the drafting of Nikola Jokic, the drafting of Jamal Murray, right? Tim Connolly did so many good things in Denver. Denver wins the championship. Hey, he drafted Zeke Naji back in 2020. But what I'm getting at is, regardless of what you think of Tim Connolly, the executive, I think he's darn good. But whatever you think, Tim Connolly is a good dude. I get it. Bottom line, wins and losses, but he's a really good dude. I saw it on display that day at Hopkins High School. His genuine connection with Zeke, with Zeke's dad, with Zeke's mom. Tim Connolly is a people person. He cares about people. I could see that genuine connection on display with the Najee family. Anyway, here's my conversation from that day with NBA champion from Hopkins High School and the University of Arizona. Entering his fourth year with the Denver Nuggets, it is Zeke Naji. Zeke, I know you don't get to get home very often, but this seems to be kind of an annual deal. This isn't the first time you've run this camp. How much joy do you get running this camp? Man, I enjoy this so much. I look forward to it. It's marked on my calendar every year. Um, just being able to give back, to come back to my high school, a place that raised me, that made me, is uh, something special for me. So being able to give back to the community that that help create who I am is really important to me. How much are you hands-on? I imagine you're one that's going to get down and dirty. You just don't sit back. <laughs> yeah, I can't help myself. Every time I come here, I tell, them, tell myself, you know, I'm not going to do too much, just going to run the drills. And then by the end, I'm in a full sweat plan one-on-one with the kids. So I, I, usually, I usually get pretty involved. <laughs> you see the kids wide-eyed. I mean, they know who you are. They look up to you. Yeah, you know, at first they might be a little nervous or like a little scared to talk to me. But, you know, once you ask them a few questions, joke around with them a bit, then they become excited and eager, just like regular little kids. So that's my favorite part. Is the cliche hold true that time flies? Can you envision yourself going to one of these camps when you were in sixth or seventh grade? Yeah. No, I mean, I remember my first camp, I was in, like, kindergarten. And, you know, I'm trying to impress the, the high school kids that are running the camp and things like that, trying to show off all the moves that I've learned. So I understand their position, and uh, I remember it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. NBA champion Zeke Naji, how does that sound? <laughs> it has a great ring. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's still honestly surreal to me. Uh, looking back, the run that we had was just incredible. And I just think about it, and I, I just get butterflies in my stomach because it was an insane experience. I mean, you guys were really, really good, like, December 1st. Like, yeah. you were the one seed all the way through. Yeah. Then, like, 
there wasn't a whole lot of resistance in the playoffs. That was as dominant a performance as I can recall. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like we did have a pretty good playoff run. I think the biggest thing is we really just, everything started to click at the right time. We really just dialed in and focused during that playoff run. I mean, I know that the, the series scores were pretty favoring towards us, but they weren't any, by any means easy. They were very difficult. Even our series in Minnesota, too, I would say that was one of our most difficult series. Even though we won 4-1, they were a, a very dominant team, very physical team, young with a lot of energy. And so I think that was probably one of our harder series. What was the roller coaster like, the impact you had in the regular season? You took a jump up year three. Then in the playoffs, the bench shrinks. Was that hard? Yeah, it was. I mean, I felt like I was capable of playing. But at the end of the day, uh, we won a championship. So that's, that's, that's the ultimate goal. And right now, I'm looking to run it back and help the team uh, however I can and show them that I'm, I'm ready to contribute and help us win another championship. What's your next level? So as you've ascended, what's your next level entering year four? Next level, uh, more maturity. I think just having a bigger role, uh, defense, shooting, um, being versatile. It's always been my, my main staples, but uh, just continuing to take on more responsibility within the team. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is it a contract year? Does that add extra incentive to this next season? Um, not really, not for me. I, I approach every season the same way. Uh, just because it's maybe a contract season doesn't mean I'm going to play harder. I always play my hardest. So um, I, every time I step on the court, uh, everyone knows what I'm going to give, and that's going to be my all. How beneficial is Denver system, Coach Malone's system, to your skill set? Oh, it's great. I mean, even the players, too, that I'm surrounded by, Jokic, Jamal, Michael Porter, I mean, they make the game so easy because they draw such a crowd towards them that uh, it frees up a lot of other guys. So, yeah. Did I see that you had a little uptick in your three-point shot? Like, I always knew you had it. I knew you had it here at Hopkins, but, like, are you still working on that three-point shot? 100%. I mean, I think shooting is something you can always try to improve. Uh, you can never be satisfied with your shot. I mean, there's always little improvements you can make here or there, little things that can help you improve your consistency and things like that. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a gym rat. I like to – I love the game, and I love trying to learn and see what I can improve better. When did you realize that the team could do something special? Like, like was it – Two days into training camp, was it early in the preseason, early in the regular season? When did it click, Zeke? You're like, okay, this team can do something special. Honestly, I think it was training camp. I think during that time, you know, you saw the vets that we had, you saw the young guys, you saw the talent, you saw the camaraderie and the chemistry that we had. Just, I remember going out to dinner one time, we all went as a team, and just the, the energy that we all shared and the way we all clicked with each other the old guys with the young guys the new guys with the, the guys who have been on the team for five six years everyone got along so well and we we all said like we all, all acknowledged that this team was different that there was something different about that team like then that was in like august or september when we were in training camp and for that feeling to have stayed throughout the whole season through the ups and the downs we always had faith in each other and and that's why we were able to, you know, in the end, win that championship. How strong of a bond did you develop with Coach Saunders? Oh, incredible bond. I mean, he's a great guy, a Minnesota guy, and he's definitely had my back throughout the whole season. I mean, he's done so much for me, taught me so much, gave me pointers here and there, and uh, he was a big reason why I had a good year. I saw Tim Connolly in the gym over here earlier. Think about it. He drafted you. He helped assemble the team. Not fully, right? Yeah. Calvin Booth deserves all sorts of credit, yeah. right, for KCP, for Brown, 
well, both Browns, right? Bruce Brown and Christian, it should be Brown, but is Brown, right? But, like, Tim, like, helped assemble, right? And, like, that's the reason why you're in Denver is Tim Connolly. Does that bond still exist with Tim? 100%. Every time I come to Minnesota, I always text him. He always hits me up. Um, we have a great relationship. And even though we're not on the same team anymore, I feel like that he's someone that I, I still talk to pretty frequently and uh, someone that I consider a friend. So, yeah. What else is important to know, Zeke, as we tell the story of your offseason? I don't know. Um, still playing piano. Uh, I do that every day. Uh, just been relaxing, enjoying the, the championship win, but also, you know, still staying hungry and wanting to repeat it. So, yeah. I mean, you say relax, but, like, I've seen the pictures. Like, are you still running up, like, Red Rocks? And, like, you guys are just going nonstop. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, even in the offseason, you can't really relax. I took maybe, like, a week off after the, the championship. But other than that, it's, it's back to the gym, back to the grind, baby. So, like, you're just home for the week, and then are you, like, right back to Denver for more work in the gym? Yeah, 100%. I, as soon as, as soon as I was done, I went back to Denver working with the coaches because all the coaches were still there after about that, that week off. And, I mean, we're, we're all on the same page. We want to run it back. We want to prepare for next season. So, yeah. And I'm even talking now. So, like, you're home this week, but is it, like, right back to Denver here mid-August? Oh, yeah. I, I'll, leave, I'll leave in a couple days back to Denver, and then I'll be there until next season. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. I hope, I need to blow up Ryan Saunders' phone, I hope Zeke's role increases this next season. Jeff Green has moved on. Hey, when Zeke has been given an opportunity, now injuries have set him back, but when he's been given an opportunity, he is a guy that can be counted on. Maybe not a starter, maybe eventually a starter, but maybe not a starter on a championship-type team like Denver, but he can be a role guy. He can be the second or third man off the bench and help them. So I'm hoping to see that come to fruition even more so. It has, but even more so this next season. Always rooting for my guy, Zeke Naji. I was at Eden Prairie football practice in mid-August. They are 1-0, perhaps the best team in Class 6A. They will be in the mix to win a 6A state championship. Caught up with longtime head coach Mike Grant. Season preview, some background on future Gopher Mosane, then his comments on the Vikings recognizing his late father, Bud Grant. Here's my recent conversation with Mike Grant. Mike, forget like late December, forget Christmas. Is this the most wonderful time of the year? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, it's fun the first day of practice because all the work that the kids have put in and, and uh, you know, you kind of see those results in the weight room and in our testing and, and uh, you know, great to see the, a new team put together in the first day of that. Good group of kids? We got great kids, yeah, really good kids. The kids have worked hard in the weight room since really Thanksgiving, and, and um, you know, so they're ready to go. They're excited. Are they motivated by the way last year ended? You know, I don't think we ever think about that. You know, uh, you know, we just kind of tip our hats. Roseman had a great year, and they, they beat us twice and deserved to, to move on. So, you know, we just. So it's, it's not like that. It's more about just excited to be with their buddies and having fun and, and you know, let's see what happens. you have some seniors or did you lose a lot? Like, who's back, who's not back? 
Well, you know, we always like any of the top programs, you always lose a bunch of seniors because you're winning because you have more experienced older kids, right? And so, uh, you know, we we obviously lost some great kids, but we have a we have a number of really really good kids back. You know, our offensive line is veteran. Our our uh, you know our quarterback got experience last year. We have really outstanding running backs. Um, and then defensively, we've got linebackers back. You know, it, we feel pretty good about our veteran, but we also have a nice blend of, you know, some juniors off a really good sophomore team that'll play as well. What about Mo? What kind of player are the Gophers getting? Well, you know, it's interesting because Mo, we were just talking about that, watching him run today, uh, just in form running, how much he's improved since 10th grade. That was his first year of football, was 10th grade football. And how, you know, we couldn't even get into a stance, you know, and now he looks the part of a Division One athlete. That's crazy. So the first time he played football was like two years ago this time? Yes. Yeah, we, uh, I walked through the gym and he was playing basketball. And I went, wait, wait, who is that guy? And then I assigned a couple of freshmen to say, he was on the freshman basketball team. I said, we got to have him out next year. So yeah, two years ago was his first time. So yeah, he, uh, he he's come a long way and should have a great year. Yeah, I mean, heck. He's nowhere close to hitting a ceiling, though. Like, what kind of ceiling does he have? You know, I don't know. I think that's why the Gophers wanted him. And, you know, he got multiple offers because he's long-armed and big-bodied and can run. And, you know, those, those are the guys that's, that they're looking for. What year is this for you? Well, it's a total of 45. This is my 45th year of coaching. Um, you know, here at Eden Prairie, it's 31. So, as a head coach. And then, obviously, I was at Forest Lake. And we had some great years there. So, yeah feels uh but you know when you get out here with the kids you feel like you're i don't know 25 years old because these kids are running around just like they did 45 years ago is that not so if i told you 45 years ago that hey let's fast forward 45 years you'd still be coaching what would you have told me i guess i wouldn't have been surprised uh, only because i love being around the guys and and uh you know i'm super competitive but uh you know, there are other people wondering why I'm still coaching but uh, and want to know when I'm going to be done. But right now I'm having fun and the kids are great, so we'll keep at it. Is there any end date in mind or just take it year by year? Well, you wouldn't be the first person I'd tell, so I'm not going to say. <laughs> but, but no, there is not. There is not an end date to it. Uh, I think when I get up in the morning and I'm not excited and nervous and looking forward to it, that would be the time to go fishing. How has this job evolved over the years, especially now with what all your AD duties? Yeah, well, I'm no longer AD, so thank you. Okay, God. so that got, when did that change? Two years ago, I retired as AD, so I don't have to deal with all that. Uh, but the job itself is very different. High school sports are very different than they were probably 10, 15 years ago, certainly 40 years ago, completely different uh, where high school sports are at and where, you know, almost all the sports are full year, you know, training, full year practice, full year private coaches, you know, football is kind of the last one that isn't a full year thing. So it's so different, uh, but the kids aren't different. It's just, you know, parent expectations of, you know, full rides and, and all those things at all sports, I'm not just talking football, um, you know, ha have changed. You know, they used to go play football or play basketball or have fun. And I don't know that they always talk about having fun anymore. I hear you on that. I'll leave you with this. How cool is it what the Vikings are doing to honor Bud? 
Uh, it's great. You know, I, I was just in Winnipeg last week. Winnipeg, the Blue Bombers did a thing from on my dad. Uh, had a pregame thing. You know, they got a statue there of my dad. And so we got some of me, uh, my sisters and myself went up, and uh, they did a great job honoring my dad. Except in Winnipeg, no one even remembers them, you know, because that was... <laughs> You know, even more years ago, you know. Uh, but the Vikings have always been first class. Uh, and first class, how they treated my dad uh, w when he retired. And the Wilfs have been tremendous in, in terms of, uh, you know, allowing him to have that office over there. I mean, he loved going to the office. He loved hanging around the team all these years. So I just think uh, the Vikings just keep demonstrating how first class they are. He was in his office right like right until the end, right? Oh, absolutely. He was over there. He did a speaking engagement two weeks before at the Viking, uh, I don't know, at the hotel there uh, about Viking alumni or something. And then he was supposed to be there for Bob Hagen's on Thursday night, and he wasn't feeling great, you know, and then he passed away on Saturday. But, yeah, right till the end, he was, uh, he was uh, full go and a huge Viking fan, you know. I mean, uh, and he certainly had certainly appreciated everything the Vikings did for him, you know, in the later year. Cause he hadn't coached for 30 years or something. So, you know, for him to still be honored, it was great. It's just what a life, right? Oh. I mean, I know it happened all so sudden, but like you think about just the life you lived, right? Just yeah. off the charts. Well, it was, and, and to say it was sudden, but my dad, you know, when he got to be 93, 94, 95, he kept, you know, saying, I could be dead tomorrow. He said, you just don't know. And so he fully appreciated his life, you know, and how lucky he was uh, to never be in a nursing home, never be in the hospital. You know, you die at home just without pain or without, you know, uh, suffering. Uh, he, he said, I've been, you know, he always said how lucky he was. And to have all his grandchildren, all his great-grandchildren all around him, you know, 50 people in his family that would come and see him. Not everyone as lucky as that. Also, while at Eden Prairie football practice, I did catch up with the aforementioned Mo Sain. He is part of the Gophers 2024 recruiting class. Great backstory. One that I think I need to do a little bit more on for TV, but he didn't start playing football until two years ago as a 10th grader. Now, the body projects 6'4", 260. But you think about it, he is so inexperienced when it comes to actually playing football. I am very fascinated to see the Gopher staff work with him for the next few years. Here is my conversation with future Gopher, Eden Prairie senior defensive lineman, Mo Sane. Mo, how great is it to be back out here? Yeah, it's great. Um, last year, we went to the semifinals, you know, so this year, we have a great team. We feel like we're ready to get back, win the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, you guys were great last year, but Rosemount was really good, too. The way last year ended, how does that motivate you and your teammates? I mean, it motivates us because we were so close. Now we know exactly what we need to even go even farther than where we were last year. How have you grown as a player? I mean, Coach just told me, I didn't realize, the first time you played football was like this time two years ago? Yeah, sophomore year. Uh, sophomore year was my first year playing football, so I feel like I've grown a lot as a player, just getting the techniques and the fundamentals down of how to be a good D-lineman. So this year is like the year where I make the big jump. How did you figure out D-line was the position for you, not a different position? Uh, to be honest, uh, Coach tried out everything. I tried O-line and D-line, and. The D-line just stuck. I, I was an agadell line. Okay, and so 
interior of the defensive line or do you have defensive line flexibility? Uh, this year is a little more flexibility. Last year I was a little more interior, but this year I'm a little more outside. All right, so how much does that excite you? I mean, it excites me because it'll help me prepare for the next level, be able to be versatile in the D-line. On that, on the next level, being a future gopher, yeah. how did you settle on the gophers? I mean, I talked to Coach Flack. He, the culture there is just unlike everything I've, unlike anything I've seen at other schools, you know, so that's just the place where I knew I needed to be to be better as a player and a person. Was it a sigh of relief once you made that announcement that the recruiting process, I'm sure at times, can be overwhelming? Was it a big yeah. sigh of relief, A, I can finally make my announcement? Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a big relief, you know. It, the recruitment process slowed down. School stopped, like, you know, bothering me. Who was it hard to say no to? Because you had many schools that wanted you. Who was it hard to say no to? I mean, I feel like all the schools, it was hard to say no to. I mean, they gave me the opportunity, great opportunity, you know, but I feel like I, I saw a better opportunity at the U of M. Special is the 2024 recruiting class with not only you, but so many kids from Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, uh, the coaches are even saying this class like is a really special class, so we're just really looking forward to playing with this class. Have you developed like a bond with all these guys? Yeah, I mean, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had like a little get-together cookout thing, you know, so the coaches have been making sure that we all stay tight. We have a little group chat, texting, you know, yeah. I've, had a, I've developed a good bond with my commits. Have you thought about what your ceiling is, the fact that you've only played football for two years, where you'll be like two or three years from now? Um, I mean, I feel like coaches tell me I could be as good as I want to be. So, you know, I have good size, good athleticism. You know, I, I want to, two to three years, I want to be as far as I can be. Have they compared you to any, you know, former Gophers like Boye Mafia or anybody? Those are Boye and um, I forgot the other the other NFL player you got drafted that year, Dean Lyman. Otamowu? Yeah. That says the Otamo. Yeah. yeah. So I, coaches have been comparing me to those two. So when they make that comparison or those comparisons, how does that make you feel? I mean, it makes me feel good, but, I, you know, it's a lot. I have, to, I have to get there, though, you know what I mean? It's like I just got to put in the work and see it pay off. How much work did this team put in during the summer? I mean, the coaches only get, what, limited time with you guys? But, you know, as a leader of the team, did you have a lot of guys in the weight room and just trying to lead the best you could this summer? Yeah, this year we were really focused in the weight room. Had a bunch of, had a bunch of guys in every day. So it was good to see. Well, what else is important to know about your football journey? Um, I mean, this year, um, I don't know. I've been making a lot of progress. So it would be fun to see how everything pays off, all the work I've been putting in. About how he how he saw you playing basketball. What made you make that leap from basketball to football? What basketball? I played basketball since like seventh grade, and I think Coach Grant saw me play basketball. He saw like I had good movement skills, and he talked to my mom for like a while, tried to get her to get me to play football, and then you know I just went out and it paid off. We wrap up Scoop Podcast episode 423, my recent conversation with former Gophers wrestler, a four-time All-American. When you think about the last two to three decades of Gophers wrestling, he's among the best. Logan Storley from Webster, South Dakota. He is now one of the best MMA fighters on the Bellator circuit. He won a big fight a few weeks ago in his home state of South Dakota at the Pentagon in Sioux Falls. It was great catching up. Recently with Logan Storley. Logan, good to see you. We first connected 2014 or 2015. 
in the Gopher wrestling room. Heck, the old Gopher wrestling room. The yeah, new yeah. Taj Mahal of wrestling <laughs> rooms, but the old Gopher wrestling room. If I had told you then, the first time we connected, that fast forward eight, nine years, you would be in this position, what would you have told me? Um, I think that I knew I had the ability um, with my wrestling, but it's a lot of work to get here, you know, and a lot of things. I mean, it's just with anything in sports, like there's, you need a little luck, you need a lot of work. And um, so I'm, you know, I'd be pretty excited and pretty blessed to, you know, to be in this position right now. When you say a little luck, I guess expound on that. Where did the luck come into play? I think it just, you know, I've been lucky enough to run into great training partners, Robbie Lawler, Mike Chant, you know, legends of the sport. I got the best gym in the world. And then my body's been healthy and it's fighting with a four ounce glove. You know, it, it is skill, but there is a little luck, you know, and, and so things have went my way. And I think that comes back to just being consistent and putting that work. Same thing with wrestling, you know, is um, so I think that's really what I took from, you know, all those years in that gopher wrestling room was we're going to outwork everyone. And that was our thing as, you know, as gophers, we were going to outwork everyone. Even if someone is maybe more talented, we're going to find a beat, you know, find a way to beat you. And my team at Minnesota was really good at that. So you knew, so like 2014, 2015, you knew, okay, collegiate career coming to an end. It, like you knew right then and there, because correct me if I'm wrong, you have a, business degree you have a marketing degree it's not like you had to go the mma route but you yeah. knew 2014 2015 hey i want to go the mma route yeah i knew you know growing up from webster same hometown as brock lesnar i got to train with tony ferguson a little bit my senior year of high school and then i saw tony ferguson go on his run you know he had 10 or 11 under 10 or 11 fights he was undefeated you know he was the number one guy and so it you know, for me, there there was other options in, in the business world and other, you know, other ways to make a living. But it was not winning an NCAA title really just drove me a little crazy um, because you never got you never accomplished what I set out to do at Minnesota. And so there was a lot of like fire left, you know, in that competitive drive for me. And then I started fighting and I fell in love with it. And, you know, I wanted to go win that belt. and. I got to do that in London, and so that was a big moment to kind of settle those those NCA years where I came so close to getting it done and never could. I mean, what's that mental grind like, though? Because my comeback to that, Logan, would be you were a multi-time All-American. Like, your collegiate career was incredibly accomplished. Only yeah, one I... person wins the national championship, right? <laughs> so, like, I don't know. It's hard for me to comprehend what you just said. Yeah, I think for me is, you know, won six state titles, you know, that me and one other guy have done. And I think there's only been 10 of us that are four-time All-Americans. Um, but I, J-Rob did such a good job of just instilling that, like, not perfection, but um, setting out, you know, the goals that you had. And our goal was to win a team national title. You know, we won three dual national titles. And to win the individual, you know, as an individual, you know, we had heartbreak our junior year. We were so close. And, you know, I was close in the semis. And so I think, you know, look, a lot of the guys, like a lot of them are doing very, very well in, you know, in the business world and me with fighting. And 
And I think it was that team bond that we had of just, you know, guys around you and just were competitors and drove each other to be the best we could. You brought up Logan Brock Lesnar's name, the Webster connection. What's what's the relationship with Brock to this day? <clears throat> yeah, you know, Brock really helped me out my freshman year of high school. He got, he just showed me, you know, when he he was fighting, he was in the UFC at that time. But you know, there was cameras everywhere, and just like kind of his life, like you got to see it as a young kid from you know a small town. Um, that you know that was his normal life. So I think it really opened up, like oh. Brock can do this. Like, why can't I do this? And Brock, you know, just talking about really, he goes, it just comes down to, there's no secret, you know, anything. It's just hard work. And then um, my senior year when I signed with Minnesota and got to go out and work out with Brock and just, you know, see the way he worked and um, the way he handled himself, you know, because he's been in a lot of big pressure situations, you know, from performing in the WWE to fighting, you know, for the world title, um, the NCA title. So I, I think it was just cool to see a small town kid just like myself in these big moments and, and the ability to handle it. And you can beat anybody in the world. It doesn't matter where you're from. So to this day though, I mean, he's such a busy guy, lives his own life, not so much a relationship. Like, did he reach out to you after Friday night? I guess I'm curious on. Uh, yeah, we talk every once in a while when we're both back in Webster, you know, say, hey, run into each other. Um, but, you know, now, like, I've been in the sport for a long time and I've kind of switched over, you know, Robbie Lawler's my guy now, you know, um, a good friend and a teammate. And so, you know, that that's just kind of what happens. I, You know, Brock did a great thing for me, helping me kind of just show, see the MMA world and be around great people. And then from there, um, you know, I got... I've grown up and, you know, I'm my own own person. So, but, you know, I'm forever grateful for opening those doors for me. Have you come off the high of last Friday night? Yeah, I think, um, it, you know, really it settles in. It takes the first few days, you know, are excited just because the moment went the way you, you know, wanted it to. Because you, it's 10 weeks of stressing out for that moment of just, you know, because all the work you put in, you want it to go right so well and when it finally does it's uh it takes a little bit to like really enjoy that and so um yeah i'm back out at the lake now and got to see all my friends and family and be back in south dakota and so it kind of i watched the fight last night um to just kind of look at it and it was like i'm you know was proud of the way that i went out there and performed yeah i mean how about a little bit more on that i mean as you watched it back i mean i guess what what stands out the most? I mean, you're known for taking a fight to a decision. Well, in this case, I mean, it was a very convincing victory. Yeah, I, you know, I landed a, some good calf kicks, and I had a lot of really good fakes and state. You know, he's a dangerous guy. He was ranked number seven. He's never gone the distance, maybe once, and really knocked has knocked everyone out. And he's got a ton of power. And so, you have to be. You have to really pick your spots and be sharp at all times out there. And I was able to do that and really dominate them on the ground. And, and I was happy with the way that I, the way I opened up. And like I said, in all the inter interviews before, I have to get back to my dominating fashion and finishing people. And I did it. Yeah. And I mean, how far have you come in terms of, you know, your striking? I mean, clearly you have somebody on the ground. You know, mm -hmm. we touched on, you know, your wrestling background. I mean, 
that's been a strength for a really long time. But in terms of striking, how far have you come in that regard? Yeah, you know, that Gracie fight was a huge fight for me. It was 25 minutes stand up. I think I threw 380 some punches. You know, he hurt me a little bit. I came back and dropped him. And that fight, February 22, that's when I really grew because, you know, he's a, he's part of the Gracie family. We knew how good he was on the ground. And I, at that point, you know, I didn't want to put myself in a bad situation and said, let's, we're going to beat him on the feet. And I grew a lot in that fight. That was like when it, I think it all came together that, okay, I'm here. I'm the real guy. Um, I can beat anybody in the world. And you need that. You, there's always a fight or some kind of performance for, you know, anybody that just, it's like that aha moment of, all right, I'm here. Like I, I can compete with anybody. I'm better than everyone, you know, like put that in your head and you actually believe it. You're not just saying. So are the wheels in motion, Logan, for, for what's next? I mean, so the champ, that's somebody you fought, what, a couple times? He's gotten you a couple times? Yep. Yeah, so for me, I think, um, you know, me and Amasov, first fight was a split decision. You know, second fight, he did a great job of getting to the calf kick, slowed me down a little bit. I didn't get to my wrestling early. And so, um, you know, I'm ranked number one. I beat everybody in the top five besides Amasov. And so, you know, you're talking about, uh, number one or number two pound for pound guy and you know on the first fight I thought I did enough so th that's what gets me excited I want to get that back that's 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 what I want back you know I respect I really respect them but as a competitor that's what I want I want to go get that one back and and kind of right those wrongs you know so right now we're just sitting a little bit I got to see what happens with the division at welterweight um, Jason Jackson's ranked number two, which he's a teammate of mine and we share the same coaches and same, you know, so it's an interesting situation. Uh, we've talked about it last year. So I just got to see what happens, I guess. What's it like Logan handling all the, all the spotlight? I mean, especially coming off Friday, but even going back many years, I mean, are you comfortable, you know, everything that entails being a professional fighter away from the cage? Yeah, you know, um, I think the moment right when you're about to about 10 minutes before the fight, when it's when it's absolutely real and, you know, Bert comes back there and say and he says, we, we roll and you start walking and it's like it's a it's a crazy moment um, of like, you know, kind of I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> um, but it, it's such a it's a thrill. It's unlike anything I've ever felt in my life and like the emotions and uh you're you're a lot because it's it's do or die you know and so like that that moment is is so much pressure but so much fun when it's over and so i've, I've really enjoyed that i mean fight week's really hard for a lot of fight it is it's a stressful time but it's also the most rewarding most kind of alive i've ever felt in my life you know to to this point so um but yeah everything else you know i think you're you want to be in the spot like you want to you want people kind of coming after you for being the number one ranked guy you you want that you know and so really learn to kind of embrace that and, and enjoy it speaking of enjoying i mean what's it like fighting in your home state fighting in the pentagon i mean you're not going to lose in the pentagon i don't think yeah, you know, so I, I never lost in the pavilion at Minnesota. I think I was 
13 or 14 and 0 um and uh 7 and 0 at uh at the Pentagon so i really enjoy i it's a lot of pressure right away just because all your friends family media and like the state you want to represent the state you know and so fight week it's especially when you walk out you know first get to the arena it's like i did not you know I wanted to send these people home happy. They all came to support me. Um, but yeah, I just, it was a special moment in the crowd and I just felt, it felt right. And so I, I was very comfortable in there and I saw everything. And then afterwards you get to, you know, see all these people, um, you know, we had a sold out arena. And so it's pretty cool to go do that um, in Sioux Falls. I'll leave you with this, Logan. What else is important for us to know is, as we tell your journey here of, of being a professional fighter here, going back, you know, eight-ish years, but even, you know, before that, everybody here in the Twin Cities remembering you as a gopher wrestler. What else is important for us to know as, as we tell your story? Um, you know, I think it's just, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm grateful for my time at Minnesota and my, you know, my friends and teammates. And those guys have a lot to do with why I am here, you know, and um so just you know the people around me have made a huge difference for me and and so i'm forever grateful for having those people and coaches and training partners and friends in my life and um i'm excited to go to go get that belt back so that's i think those you know are two big things for me right now all right well go get that belt back appreciate you doing this this was fun great seeing you yeah good to see you thanks Logan will keep climbing up the ladder. He is fun to watch. All right, we are done here on Scoop Podcast episode 423 on this Wednesday afternoon, the 6th of September. The year is 2023. Always appreciate you listening to the Scoop Podcast. Thank you so much. We've been going strong off and on since April of 2016. Stay safe. Stay sane.